Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in today wherever you are in the world. We're very grateful that you would tune in and take your time to listen to anything we have to say here on the program. You can always find us 24-7 at pathtozion.com or do a search on YouTube. We've got some videos on there. Um, just do the uh, search for Path to Zion podcast. You'll get some interesting kickbacks and search results if you do Path to Zion. Um, but you'll see the logo and uh, just follow that and you'll find some stuff there. Um, I was going to originally do this um, program today as a video. As a matter of fact, about three days ago, um, I set up all the equipment and had everything going, and I actually recorded 30 minutes of this study um, to put on YouTube. And I don't know, 30 minutes in, I started just questioning for a reason I don't really know or understand or claim to be able to explain, I just thought, you know, I'm just not feeling it. <laughs> um, it's very strange. I just felt disengaged. I didn't feel like the the passion and zeal that I normally feel when I speak. And so, you know, man, after after over 30 minutes of recording, I just sat back and hit stop and deleted it. And so, hey, we're kind of restarting this again, and, and I just decided I'm going to make this an audio series. It's going to be at least two parts because, man, I didn't even get a third of the way through the other night, um, and like I said, it was 30 minutes then. I'm going to try to condense it down and stick to the point here. Let's go ahead and get started. We're in Genesis chapter 18 and 19. And what the title of this message is going to be is, Are There Any Righteous? Are There Any Righteous? Genesis chapter 18 and 19, these two chapters are chock full of awesome things. Genesis 18 alone, oh my gosh, I mean, we could just look through this. We've got, uh, when the messenger is talking to Sarah, you're going to give birth to a son, you're, you're going to be pregnant, she laughs, and there's this dialogue, well, did she laugh out loud? Was it something internal? There's a lot of different different layers to that that I think are very intriguing, but we're just not going to touch any of that today. Um, but these messengers that are delivering this word of the Lord um, that, that Isaac will be born, the, the, the foretelling of, of his arrival, and then they leave. They're hanging out with Abraham and Sarah in measure, and, and all of a sudden they're leaving. And they're going to a place called Sodom. And this is where we're going to pick up. And this is going to be the crux of the text um, for the next few moments here on the program. We're going to talk about, again, the title is, Are There Any Righteous? And it starts out interesting in Genesis chapter 18, verse 17. And you're going to have to bear with me. Um, I'm actually home in the makeshift studio. And I'm going to try to jumble through this text and, and kind of jump here and there to make a point. Um, I've got a lot of notes. I'm going to try to just condense this all down to make sense. But the interesting thing to me, we start out with this shift into the account about Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 17, Yahweh says, quote, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so from the very beginning of when this 
Genesis chapter 18 account shifts into the story, the, the history about what took place with Sodom and Gomorrah, God himself insinuates a question, basically just posing a question out to the universe. I don't think I should hold this back from Abraham. Should I keep this from him? In other words, paraphrase my version, I think I will invite him in to what I'm going to do in Sodom. I'm going to invite my servant Abraham, the faithful one, into what I'm about to do with the people of Sodom. Now, as we just saw in verse 17, um, Abraham is invited into the circumstance, and I would say perhaps Yahweh desired to see if Abraham was willing to intercede for the, quote, evil people of Sodom. We know that God's pattern throughout all of the scripture is he invites men into his story. He invites men into the things that he is going to carry out here on the earth. He invites us all in. It, it, is, a, it is a continuation today for you and I of the same, inv same invitation that came to Abraham, which is Yahweh God's sovereign, perfect king, perfect creator, executor of all things in his in his otherworldliness in his immenseness and who can understand himness <laughs> he says you know what i want to invite these people into what i'm going to do on the earth even that has to do with other people i'm going to invite them in and allow them to be a component and a part of what I'm going to do on the earth. And I'm telling you, there's such a profound, deep understanding and, and just substance to us getting that through our minds that even now today, nothing has changed. God has never changed. He has never changed how he wants to deal with and through mankind. It's an incredible invitation for us now just like Abraham, if in fact we are his people, we are in the, the lineage, if you will, in the, in the sand of the seashore prophecy fulfillment, is that if we are in fact in Abraham through Yeshua Messiah, and we ourselves have become God's people, we too are invited into the goings-on, if you will, of the earth, where Yahweh God extends himself out to man, and could we not say that it's also true for us, Genesis chapter 18, verse 17, why should I hide from Joel what I'm about to do? Why would I hide from Michelle what I'm about to do? And then the invitation comes. God re reveals, and we could talk about this in measure, we know that Abraham isn't necessarily branded a prophet, but we know that the word of God tells us that Yahweh God chooses to do nothing without first declaring it to who? His prophets, his people, the ones with ears to hear and the discernment and ability to rightly hear what Yahweh God is saying and desiring to do on the earth. This is an awesome pattern we could spend much time on but we have to keep moving. Abraham proved to demonstrate that he was capable of rightly seeing as God sees because we're going to get to this part of the text next because basically, again, to stick to the topic at hand and even the title of this series, are there any righteous? And so in talking about Sodom, we're going to jump around just a little bit. Um, we're going to go down to uh, Genesis 18 verse 20 
And Yahweh said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which is come to me. And if not, I will know. Now, this is a very interesting text to me. This is a mysterious verse, um, and we're going to ask some questions. Um, I'm going to read another version real quick. Because, and this is Yahweh God talking to Abraham. Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which has come up unto me. And so what is going on here? Let's. I like posing questions. I like reading scripture and asking questions instead of just breezing through in order to cover ground. Let's try to understand and at least ask some questions for thought about what's going on here. What is this cry that has gone up to Yahweh? It in the Hebrew is understood to be this cry is simply an outcry of distress or sorrow. And so a question, and, and I'm not going to answer this question, but I want you to think about it. Who was crying out? We know that a cry of distress and sorrow is can take on different meaning. It can be something that is maybe not vocalized. It could be something that's inward. It could be the hearts of men. It could be an, an internal, spiritual cry of distress or sorrow. Or it could, of course, be out of the mouths of humanity. Could it be creation? was crying out in distress and sorrow over these people of Sodom? Could it be angelic hosts seeing the depravity of man and crying out on their behalf, interceding in measure? Let's be careful with the use of that word. Don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about a, a, a Messiah-esque intercession um, or mediation. I'm not talking about that, but I'm just talking about the, the angelic host possibly crying out for God's justice and righteousness to come and to rule and to reign? Could it in fact be the unrighteous people of Sodom crying out, distressed, sorrowful? Now here's a question and we're going to move, we're going to have to move quick. I have gotten nowhere. One thing that we've got to understand and we're going to touch on this again throughout this series, we have to understand the people of Sodom. The city of Sodom is not like, um, it, I would say, it's not, I don't know what you've been taught. I don't know what you were uh, schooled according to when you were in church or in your upbringing or maybe last Sunday at a sermon you heard. I don't know for you, but I know for me that the people of Sodom, the city itself, was always painted in this very particular light, which was, of course, always heavy on homosexual behavior, and that was pretty much where everything stopped. Um, they were just these evil, vile people that never had a chance, and, and they were just evil, gross people. But the thing is, when you understand Sodom completely, and we're going to get to this in greater measure later, these were a very affluent people. They were very successful. They were very learned men. They had lavish living. They had very good crops, desirable land in the natural, which of course is why Lot, Lot um, wanted to dwell there. He wanted to go there because it was a good, pleasing place, not because he wanted to go hang out with homosexual people and just like 
I mean, we have to we have to look at these things correctly, historically and biblically accurate, instead of just paint these Sunday school paintings in our imaginations of something that was never true to begin with. And so this cry of these people, an outcry of distress and sorrow from from someone, from something, is is arising up to the throne of the Father, and he hears it, and he says, guess what? I'm going to go down, and I'm going to see whether they have done according to the cry that I'm hearing. Now, we could spend all day long talking about what in the world is going on. Why in the world does Yahweh God need to descend and go down to check on a people? Doesn't he already know what's going on here? Again, we've got to keep moving. These are things you can look into on your own. I like this kind of thinking, um, this kind of just provocation to ask questions. What's going on here? Because this is why studying to show ourselves approved could literally take our entire 12 hours a day. It could take all day long should our lives accommodate that type of study and everything, which of course mine doesn't, um, but it, it, it could do more. It could provide me more than I uh, pro- uh, presently give myself to. Okay, so we're going to move about a little bit. I'm going to try to look at my notes and make sure. Okay, so we've talked about how Abraham, I believe, was, was, was deemed by God willing to intercede for the people of Sodom. That's what we're going to get to next, I think. Um, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 24. Okay, so this is what's interesting too. I want to see if I'm going to get ahead of myself. Oh boy, this, I'll see, now this is what happens. This stuff is so immense. <laughs> oh, I don't want to leave anything out. So, so let's, let's do this. So Abraham is told by Yahweh himself, I'm coming down. I'm coming down to check out these people. I'm going to see if this outcry that I've heard is true. And so Abraham responds. And in verse 23 of chapter 18, he says, Abraham Abraham came near and he says this, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Okay, now pause. Now we're only talking a couple verses. In verse 21, Yahweh says he's going down. He's coming down to, quote, you know, we'll just say he's, he's going to, Look into the people of Sodom in this cry. The men turned away from there and they went towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. Now these are the messengers that were already hanging out and they go off to Sodom. Abraham, the very next verse says, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Wait a minute. Yahweh never said anything about sweeping away anyone. Why? Is Abraham saying this? And again, we have to look into the scriptures and ask questions. What happened in this tiny little bit of time where Abraham is somewhat presumptuous, it seems, but entirely accurate at the same time? He rightly says, hey, oh my gosh, the wicked are going to be swept away when Yahweh God comes and sees these people. He knows the righteous judgment of God is going to come towards these people. It's an interesting thing because, again, let's just be clear, God does not reveal that to Abraham in the written text anyway. We're not told that. That God says, I'm coming down to judge them and to sweep away the wicked. So Abraham reads into it. Apparently he knows the heart of the Father very well and knows what's going to happen. And Abraham comes near 
and says this to the Lord. Now, in verse 24, Abraham continues this dialogue with God. Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? Now, now here's where I want to set up camp for just a couple moments. Oh, man, we're going to contrast so much Abraham and the prophet Jonah. I'm just trying to figure out to what extent. And so the very first thing that happens here, and again, let's just, let's just take a minute kind of comparing the two. We're going to run Jonah and Abraham side by side. We know the account of Jonah. I've taught on it several times, and uh, we're going to reflect on it again a little bit later. Um, I did a series, I don't know, months ago, Compassion in the Belly of the Fish, and I even did a video where I believe that there was a clear warning months ago to the church of 2020 from the account of Jonah where I paraphrased the Compassion in the Belly of the Fish series. That was back in June of this year, 2020. And so Jonah, basically these scenarios are, are eerily similar where Jonah is told to go deliver the word of the Lord to this stubborn, obstinate, evil people and of course, we know what happens. Jonah says, no way, no how. You're, you're probably going to set them free. You're probably going to deliver them and rescue them, and I won't have it. I'm leaving. He in no way wanted to see the redemption hand of Yahweh eternal. He did not want to see that. He wanted the people to get what was due them. He wanted God's swift justice to, to come down like a sickle and wipe them out in judgment. Why? Because they deserved it. Okay, now I, re- I talked about in June 2020, which is still true more today than it's ever been. This is much of the posture of the Christian American church. The, the Christian American majority, for the most part, love wielding God's sword of justice just like Jonah wanted to. Man, go back and listen to that series. I'm thinking right now of all the, the imagery. Man, we went through the, the crimson worm. We went through the sukkah, the tent that Jonah built over his own head for, for safety and a dwelling and how all this stuff, there's so much imagery within that um, that God spoke to me about back in June that I think if you've not listened to that, um, man, would you please consider doing that? But we see in Abraham something, a a contrasting difference. I mean, we see Abraham from the very beginning put the pieces together and say, oh, wait a minute, you're going to sweep away these people. Are you going to sweep away all of them, the, the righteous and the wicked? So he immediately goes right to a dialogue with Yahweh saying, suppose, let's just say, God, let's just say there's 50 righteous within the city. Will you sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous, and this word spare, basically in Hebrew, is forgive. Will you not pardon them? Will you not ignore their great sin and depravity? If there's 50 righteous, and let's just point this out. Well, that we're going to save that part for later. But I just want to plant that seed of thought of the vast difference between Jonah and Abraham. And I'm just going to tell you, friend, which one are you? We'll get to that again more later. But which camp do you fall in here early on? Jonah, which is God, bring your judgment. Bring it now. Go get them, God. Or will you be one like Abraham? God, show mercy. Show mercy, God, please. Is there, are there any righteous here? Um, Abraham was deemed right away able to see as God sees. 
because we know God desires none to perish. We know that he is, a, he is full of loving kindness and mercy. Righteous judge? Yes, of course. But man, people love just parking their car there and never getting out. He is also who he has been to us individually, which, which is slow to anger, full of mercy, abounding in love. Patient, patient, patient. So may we not be a go get them God people, like I'm just saying most of the church today is. Abraham desired to plead before God to spare them, even if extremely few were, quote, worth delivering. In verse 27, if we continue to go on, Abraham answered, okay, so God says, if you find 50 righteous, I'll spare what? The whole place. The whole place. I will spare everyone. Well, wait a minute. Now, how does this fit into modern day Christian American patriotic thinking? Man, I'm friend, I'm going to be hard. It doesn't. It doesn't. We demand God's righteous judgment right here, right now. God would never, ever, ever tolerate unrighteous living. He hates it. I mean, let's just be real specific into this election drama and chaos that continues to be ongoing. Oh my goodness. People should be so exhausted by now, but man, they just keep getting this revved up emotion that never seems to run out or end. I've never seen Christian America so excited about anything of the kingdom as I see them about things of this natural kingdom. I wish they would get this upset about everything else, including ourselves and the condition of the church herself, but that's for another day. But God says... He would spare the whole place now. He would spare vile, wretched, horrible Sodom as a whole, as an entire city, people, if 50 are righteous. I will spare the whole place on their account, he says in Genesis 18, verse 26. Abraham, <coughs> excuse me, Abraham answered and said, Now behold, I have ventured to speak to the Lord, although I am but dust and ashes. I like how this is inserted here. Abraham knows his place. Again, quick parallel with Jonah. He knows his place. He knows who he is. Jonah exalted himself. Don't you know who I am? Don't you see me? All these things, propping up self, arrogance, pride, boasting, all the things we know that Yahweh hates. Jonah the prophet was. Abraham, man, hey, by the way, I'm but dust and ashes. I know my place, okay? So this goes back and forth, and of course we know how there's this countdown. If there's 40, if there's 35, if there's all these things. And here, I want to insert this thought too. And, and this, you tell me if this is a stretch. I felt like this pattern of the counting. Because verse 28, suppose the 50 are lacking five. Um, Yahweh basically says, no, no, I'll do it, but there's not going to be. Suppose that 40 are out there. Okay, I'll do it for 40. Oh, Lord, don't be angry. What if there's 30? Okay, I won't do it if there's 30. What if there's 20 in verse 31? I won't destroy it on the account of 20. Then he said, oh, may the Lord not be angry. I shall speak only this once. Suppose only 10 are found there. I will not destroy it on account of the 10. And so here's the thing, right? And I just want to insert this, and you just you consider it for yourself. There's, this is not flawless teaching by any means. 
I don't claim it, and I don't even want to say that that's even possible for any human being to speak free from error. It's just most people don't want to admit that. Could this be, in measure, an example to us of the pattern that we see perfectly demonstrated in Yeshua Messiah, Jesus? When Yahweh wrapped himself in flesh and dwelt among humanity, the Emmanuel reality, he became the one, one, righteous, preparing a way for the people. Because what? Before Yeshua came, there were none righteous. There were none good enough walking the earth. There were none there. God's eyes are, 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 are roaming to and fro, what? Seeking those whose hearts are towards him, but even those are deemed unrighteous, fallen, lacking. So Yeshua Messiah comes, the Emmanuel God-man. He is the one. He is the one preparing the way for all of humanity to be spared and delivered. Basically, I'm just posing the thought, could it be, at least in imagery, a connection where basically we get down to, man, Yahweh God says, if there's only one, I will spare the people in their entirety. I will spare them if there's just one. And guess what? There wasn't. There wasn't. We're going to touch on this in the, in the story because we know Sodom was destroyed. So obviously, in verse 32, when we get down to 10, because Yahweh God says, I won't destroy it on account of 10. Well, we know it was destroyed, so guess what? There wasn't even 10. There weren't 10. So, that being said, what happened? God, perfect Yahweh Elohim, wrapped himself in humanity and became the one righteous who could spare the entire people. Any who would come into him via the, the way, the truth, the life, the only way to the Father, by losing our lives for the sake of Messiah, born again, born of the water, born of the Spirit, not just seeing the kingdom, but entering into it via the beautiful Emmanuel reality. He became the one so that we could be deemed righteous, capable of knowing God. Abraham, of course, gets down to 10 righteous. Um, that's jumping down to verse 32. We're, we're wrapping up chapter 18. And, and let me ask this, and then we're going to close down part one here. Could this be what God was waiting upon Abraham's obedience and willingness to cry out for? Could this be, okay, Abraham being willing to continue to approach the throne of God in an open dialogue now, it's incredible, 50, 40, 30, God, please, even if you can find 10, could you please spare, again, quote, the entire place? And, and, and as soon as Abraham asks for 10, God leaves. He's gone. He's, he's, he's out of there. We're going to touch on that a little bit later if there's time. It's very interesting. I believe God was waiting on Abraham's obedience and willingness to cry out for his kindness to bring about deliverance. I think God was pleased with Abraham. I'm, I know he was pleased with Abraham's willingness to say, God, I know you. I know you're full of mercy. I know you're full of compassion. And see, the church of 2020, man, all they want to talk about for everyone else now, and I talk about this, I feel like, every other episode. 
We love to talk about God's mercy, forgiveness, patience, kindness when we are thinking about ourselves or our children or the altar call or the altar call on a Sunday morning. It's all about forgiveness and patience and kindness and mercy. Run to the altar. God is ready. Jesus wants to... He's knocking on your heart, brother. Let him in. (laughs) But then when we look at the vile, evil, rotten, unrighteous world, just like Sodom, somehow we miss that same truth of God's mercy, compassion, forgiveness that we want for ourselves and for our households and for our congregation, somehow the verbiage and rhetoric of the modern-day church that I know and live amongst does not seem to make the connection that that same God is still true towards the people like the people of Sodom. Abraham understood that. He wanted to continue to cry out for the unrighteous, evil people to receive God's mercy and deliverance. He wanted them to be redeemed. Again, to make this constant parallel, unlike Jonah, who wanted to call down God's wrath, judgment, and destruction upon the sinful city, Abraham was pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because he had the heart of the Father. He had the heart of the Father, man. He understood Yahweh God. And we saw that very beginning and back in 18, verse 23, when Abraham again himself is the one who said, wait a minute, I know how this is going to go. You're going to sweep away the righteous and the wicked. I have to do something, right? How about us today, church? How about us? Are we acting like Abraham or are we acting like Jonah? I see Jonah. I see Jonah everywhere I turn. Right now, more than I've ever seen in my 47 years of life on this earth. Right now, go out. God, you bring the hammer down on the evil, lying Democratic Party and you make yourself known, God. Go get them. And guess what? We sound like Jonah looking down on the evil people of Nineveh, calling down fire and brimstone. But in this text specifically, and you can say, I hear this all the time, man, when I bring up this vantage point, well, that's just one isolated incident. What if you go to this reference and this reference where God brings down... Okay, yes, I know. But I'm saying, let's be full. Let's be fair. And I would think in light of walking as Christ, man, it would do us well to make sure we're like Abraham instead of Jonah. To say, you know what, God? Would you spare the people, find 50, find 40, find people, find anyone, God, show compassion, show mercy, please. And I have to think that this is God's way. This is what God desired because, again, at the very beginning when we talked at the start of this series, right, just moments ago, God chose to invite Abraham into the story. And what did he say? Should I keep this back from my servant Abraham? No. He wanted to invite Abraham in to come in and intercede on behalf of the people and search out for any righteous worth delivering. The entire people now, all of them would have been delivered had there been enough righteous to do so. It's a principle we should not just blow by. All right, we're going to pick up part two uh, coming up next. Let's see, what do we title this thing? Are there any righteous...
A lot of this stuff is very applicable for this hour. We're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 19 coming up. We're going to get more specific about the people of Sodom, what was going on there, and uh, kind of what, from God's perspective, is uh, about to happen. And it's very intriguing to me. I encourage you to tune back in. We're going to get these posted online as quick as possible. Thank you for listening to the Path to Zion podcast. Find us online at pathtozion.com. Send us an email anytime you want to. Tell me anything. Ask me a question. Bring correction. Help me with some understanding. I'm open to anything. We're not prideful and arrogant here in telling you how it is. We believe in the plurality of the body, the priesthood of believers. We need one another to learn, to grow, to change. You can email us at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. Always find us online at YouTube as well. Thank you for listening. We are trying to rediscover the ancient way. Amen.